Welcome to Working Class Heroes Radio. My name is Khadija Meder. I'll be one of your hosts tonight. And I'm Mel Gonzalez, your other host. Tonight, Lupita will be speaking with former immigrant detainees who now work in organizing for immigrant rights. Before that, Khadija and I are going to cover this week's headlines and talk a little bit about the history of immigration enforcement and the movement to abolish ICE in the region. But first, we at Working Class Heroes want to recognize that we in New York City live on land that was stolen from and still rightfully belongs to the Lenape people. We stand in solidarity with the Lenape and all Indigenous peoples in their struggles for liberation and call on our listeners to stand in solidarity with their struggles as well. We'll start the show with headlines. On Wednesday, crowds of Trump supporters, far-right militias, and white supremacists stormed into the Capitol, delaying certification of Joe Biden's election and leaving five people dead. The shocking protests, which coincided with far-right demonstrations in a number of cities across the country, have led many in Congress to call for Donald Trump's immediate removal from office just days before his term is over. The violence in the Capitol came on the same day as the announcement in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that no charges would be filed against Officer Rustin Chesky for shooting Jacob Blake, an African-American man, seven times in the back. Many activists noticed the vast differences between the brutality that police used against protests after Blake's shooting with the seeming passivity that they showed toward white supremacists looting the halls of Congress. On Thursday night, thousands of protests gathered outside the Barclays Center in Brooklyn to demand justice. Here's a clip of Nalini Stamp of the working class, the Working Families Party, addressing the crowd. Expel, impeach, and investigate. This is the minimum that is needed to hold people accountable for what we saw yesterday. But it really is just the minimum because yesterday was many years in the making. And I have a saying, well, it's an old saying, actually, it's not my ancestors. You reap what you sow. And then it's time for the GOP to reap what they sowed because they've been sowing for a very long time. The stench of what happened yesterday must never wash off of that party. And every one of its elected leaders, every time they appear in public, they should be confronted by people demanding their support for a president who incited violent uprising and attempted overthrow of the U.S. government. In other news, with New York's COVID vaccination rates lagging behind much of the country, on Friday, Governor Andrew Cuomo expanded the eligible groups to include 3 million more people, including teachers, transit workers, first responders, and those 75 and older. It's unclear if many private sector frontline workers, however, like delivery and retail workers, will be made eligible. New York's early vaccination efforts have been disorganized, with many doses being thrown out after sitting unused for weeks. Cuomo has blamed hospitals for the slow rollout and even threatened to fine institutions not vaccinating quickly enough. But many critics argue that the problem lies in the bottlenecks created by Cuomo's own plan, which concentrates most vaccinations in hospitals and tightly restricts access to the first wave of vaccinations. This week, Cuomo also reversed state guidelines requiring school districts to close in-person learning if they are located in areas with positivity rates of 9% or higher. New York City originally required that schools be closed if the city's rate was above 3%. 
but Mayor de Blasio reversed that decision last month. And currently, pre-K, elementary, and special needs schools are open, even though the city recorded a 9% positivity rate last week. With state and city officials seemingly determined to keep schools open, regardless of how high infection rates get, educators at one elementary school in the Bronx were able to organize this week to force their school to reverse its plans to reopen and instead continue with all remote learning. Bronx Community Charter School is a unionized charter school on Webster Avenue, whose workers are part of the UFT, United Federation of Teachers. With the school located in an area with a 9% positivity rate and many students coming from neighborhoods with rates as high as 12%, educators spent the last few weeks holding Zoom actions and making their case at local community meetings to alert the public to the urgency of the situation. Monique Doles, an early early educator, early childhood educator at the school and member of the movement of rank-and-file educators caucus inside the UFT, spoke with working-class heroes about the organizing. And we had almost daily actions for two weeks. We were ridiculed. We were belittled. We were told that we, um, not, not enough staff are willing to serve students, but we just kept speaking up about our concerns about how in-person schooling cannot be safe. So we we succeeded at pushing back the opening of the reopening to in-person schooling. We we know that it was our our organizing that led to this decision. And um, we're just thinking about all of our coworkers um, in the DOE who are continuing to have to report in person. In other labor news, a group of workers at Google publicly announced their plans to unionize with the Communication Workers of America, CWA. In a New York Times op-ed, they state that, quote, we are the workers who built Alphabet. We write code, clean offices, serve food, drive buses, test self-driving cars, and do everything needed to keep this behemoth running. The Alphabet Workers Union will be open to all employees and contractors at Google and its parent company. The union will not seek collective bargaining rights, but instead be member only and represent workers who voluntarily join. Workers aim to have ongoing issues such as pay disparity, retaliation, and controversial tech contracts be addressed through the union. The unionization efforts come after a history of Google workers organizing against harmful projects such as Project Maven, which would help the Pentagon use AI to improve drone strikes. In 2018, 200,000 workers walked out in protest of Google's forced arbitration, which enabled senior executive Andy Rubin to be given a $90 million exit package after being accused of sexual harassment. Currently, around 200,000 workers have signed cards in support of the union. The unionization efforts will be a large undertaking with a company employing more than 200,000 workers. If successful, the organizing and union would be a model for the tech industry. And those are some headlines from this past week. After the music break, Khadija and I will continue the show with a discussion about immigration enforcement and the Abolish ICE movement. So stick around. What black folks are. Because... 
America needs to believe that black folks aren't worthy in order for them to continue their American dream. Because it is that. It is a dream. It is a fantasy to imagine that you would have the right to all that is good and all that you wish for when you are a part of an American system that is so nightmarishly cruel. That was Theory Has It with Who Needs Enemies? Now on to our extended discussion. So the U.S. leads the world in incarceration with over 2 million people in prisons and jails across the country. The detention of immigrants in particular started in the 1980s and 90s. At this time, immigration policy began to look similar to criminal justice policy during the height of the war on drugs. Policy since then criminalized immigrants further, making them more and more vulnerable to detention and deportation. And then under Obama, the detention and deportation programs expanded quite a bit to the point where he earned the nickname Deporter-in-Chief and drove thousands of immigrants into these detention centers. Then the Trump administration expanded this further and continued the family separation that Obama's administration did as well. The average daily population of detained immigrants went from 7,000 in 1994 to 50,165 in 2019. And now, after three decades, the detention system in this country captures and holds as many as 500,000 immigrants each year. So the immigration detention system is enormous, with a budget of $3.2 billion. And 81% of people are detained in privately run facilities. So this is an industry with people who are benefiting from and incentivized to support the detention of human beings for existing as immigrants in this country. Detention centers in this area, like Bergen, Hudson, and Essex County detention centers, are among the top 10 immigrant detention centers that detain people the longest. On average, Bergen detains people for 92 days, while Hudson detains people for 88 days, and Essex, 99 days. And we know that in these detention centers, the treatment is appalling. There are many documented cases of abuse, including medical abuse and neglect, prolonged detention, solitary confinement, sexual assault, and harassment. From 2003 to 2019, the number of deaths in detention centers was 214. That's right. And now two weeks away from the start of the Biden presidency, I took a look at some of his immigration policies. And for starters, one important thing to note is that his campaign described his immigration policy as one that restores it to what it was under Obama, which, as we know, was one of cruelty, deportation, and detention. Immigrant rights activists have instead demanded the following. A blanket moratorium on deportations and enforcement actions, a thorough investigation into DHS, which ICE falls under, an end to the zero-tolerance immigration policy and the criminalization of immigrants, the abolition of programs that facilitate information sharing between federal and local agencies, which are, of course, used to target immigrants, an end to all contracts with private prison companies, and an end to the surveillance of Black, Brown, and immigrant communities. So for years, activists in the New York, New Jersey area 
have been fighting against contracts between local jails like Essex, Hudson, and Bergen, and ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, who place individuals taken under their custody in detention while they try to deport them. So people have been outraged that elected officials, mostly Democrats, in the majority of these places, accept money from ICE, which many are calling blood money, and often at a rate of $110 to $120 per detainee per day to house and detain those individuals at local jails. At the end of last year, Hudson County voted to extend their contract with ICE for another 10 years, despite a promise from County Executive DeGis that they would cease such a relationship two years before. This came at the same time that immigrant detainees in Bergen County Jail organized a hunger strike to fight against the terrible conditions at the jail and to push for release. Activists from around the region intensified their efforts to support detainees and began daily protests in front of Bergen County Jail. On December 7th, some of us from Working Class Heroes went to one of those daily protests at Bergen County Jail and interviewed protesters standing across from the jail after police had pushed the daily actions to the other side of the street. Here's what one had to say to Lupita about why they were there. One of the avid protesters that comes out to the Bergen County Jail um, in order to protest against the ICE contract that the county and the state has and in order to free the eight hunger strikers that are still currently behind the walls as of day 29 of their strike. How did you first find out about the hunger strikes and why did you start coming? I didn't find out about this jail holding more detainees than jailies, period, until I went to a protest happening in Queens, New York. And I have been a, a resident of the county for almost all of my life. I just want to emphasize that. And so I, in October, we've organized a couple of different protests. But then when upon the upon the renewal of the contract and upon the hearing of the strike, which occurred approximately two weeks ago, if I am correct, then uh, that's when an immediate response was acquired. It started from an immediate action of protesters and various NJ organizations coming to the jail. But it turned into this consistent thing because the renewal contract turned into 10 years. And we all wanted to say, even though the even though the county allowed the freeholders, I know the Hudson for sure promised that we would back Jersey would back out of these contracts two years ago. So this 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 repetitive, this consistent showing out is just a further nail in the fact that the community, we the community, we the residents, we citizens, we people who also pay, who also this tax to these tax dollars supposedly go to are saying no to these contracts. Here's also what I want to nail down about this space here. The spaces, these spaces that we create are real special because everything post-George Floyd, a lot of people such as myself got involved with activism due to the BLM movement and just protesting from here to New York, Philly, all throughout the summer. So this movement is spearheaded by a coalition and as well as specifically um, Ridgewood for Black Liberation. But a lot of us who have been like, a lot of those, those who have been making decisions uh, are we're just people who we have seen each other on the ground and we trust each other's judgment and we trust that we all can create these spaces for ever for brown and for brown and black folk because it's not just brown immigrants being detained like this either that that we can all they can come together and uh, and yeah just back to the agenda just cut the contract 
cut the blood money and free them all. Now, at Working Class Heroes Radio, many of us here have been supporting the Abolish ICE efforts in New Jersey. But what has struck me, and this came out in this clip, is how hidden the network of immigrant detentions across this country is. When we interviewed individuals living right next to the jail, many of them were unaware of exactly what went on at Bergen. Many were surprised to hear that folks are detained right here in this region, right across the bridge from New York. When we hear on national media about family separation, for example, we imagine it occurring and existing only far away, somewhere at the border, not here in the very spaces we live in. I think that for many protesters who became active this year and are outraged at the terrorizing of immigrants, the campaign to get ICE out of this region has been a flashpoint and a vehicle for linking the push to abolish the NYPD in prisons with the movement to abolish ICE detention centers and the policing of immigrants. Now, daily protests have continued at Bergen despite intense police repression leading to the arrests of at least 12 individuals thus far on trumped up charges of terrorism and rioting. Bergen police have resorted to counterinsurgency tactics, have kidnapped individuals from car, excuse me, from cars and continue to lie about the tactics they have used. Despite this, protests have continued to gather daily with events bringing music, community, family members of detainees, and even phone calls from detainees being held up to speakers to share their stories and conditions. So as last year ended, the remaining hunger strikers at Bergen County Jail dwindled, with some getting transferred to other facilities, some got deported, and some were released as a result of their hunger strikes and these protests. But meanwhile, organizers inside and outside the detention centers, as well as Bergen, began organizing their own hunger strikes. And as of this week, over 140 men are currently hunger striking across Hudson, Essex, and Bergen County jails, again demanding to be released to their families and communities and attempting to bring attention to the abusive conditions inside the jails that we're going to be talking about a little later in the show. In response, officials from the jails and ICE have threatened, harassed, and misled detainees, even placing some in solitary confinement. But... The strikes continue, as do daily protests and other efforts across New Jersey, with large events scheduled for the following weeks. Thanks so much, Mel. And that's it for our extended discussion. We'll take a short musical break, and then Lupita will be bringing our guests on to to discuss immigrant rights organizing and the powerful hunger strike movement that has emerged. Pero se le hace difícil sin los papeles Se quedan con los laureles los que nacieron acá That was Ice, El Yellow by Santa Cecilia. 
You're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio on WBAI 99.5 FM and also streaming on WBAI.org. Welcome, everybody. My name is Lupita Romero, and I will be doing the interview for tonight's episode. I have the pleasure of speaking with two guests, Marcial Morales and Mary A. tonight. Marcial Morales was formally detained in Bergen County Detention Center. He was able to obtain, he was one of few people who was able to obtain their freedom through the hunger strike that he helped to organize and participated in. And Mary A. is here to share her story and that of her partner, who is still being held in Hudson Detention Center. Thank you both for being here with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Um, so we gave a lot of context in the previous discussion about what's going on with detention centers. Um, I wanted to take, kick off this discussion by asking you, Marcial, uh, for how long were you held at Bergen Detention Center? And was that the only center that you were detained at? I was first detained in Essex County and, uh, and I was moved to Bergen County. I last three months in Bergen County. And um, I'm so glad that you are now with your family um, and that you were able to participate and, and do all of that. Uh, I'm sure it must feel really good to be home. Yes, that was a dream come true. <laughs> After I lost my hope because the condition of the place, uh, what I what they done to me, I lost the hope of life. And now I am with my family. Just, that's just a dream come true. Absolutely. Um, Mary, I know that your partner is still um, inside. How long has he been held in detention, if you want to share? Um, and is Hudson the only detention center that he has been detained at? Um, yes. Uh, thank God he hasn't been transferred anywhere because, um, yeah, I was getting worried that he was going to be transferred because I hear a lot of stories that, you know, when people start hunger strike, they go somewhere down south, Louisiana, Miami. But um, no, he's still at Hudson and he's been there since September. So it's been almost three months now that I haven't seen him. How long have you guys known each other? Um, we've known each other for four years. Um, and that was the year when he came to the States uh, to visit his family. And that's how we met. And long story from there, that's... We've been together ever since. I'm so sorry that you're going through all of this right now. Um, I definitely share the relief of the fact that he hasn't been transferred. We've been hearing one of the things we've reported on is that uh, a lot of people are transferred through ICE um, to different jails. But it seems that conditions really are horrifying everywhere. And so I'm wondering, uh, Marcial, if what would you like as someone who's come out of those conditions, what would you like people to know about your experience there? And, you know, I think it can be both um, the horrifying conditions, but also how you were able to build friendships and relationship and keep hope while you were in there. Well, Dad, I was struggling because I have uh, diabetes, uh, major depression disorder, but I I was trying to help them with the medical because mostly of them is just just workers, uh, parents. They don't know much about technology. I do know a little bit, and I was trying to help them. And uh, 
I build relationship with them every every time they need help. They 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 they, they come to me to ask for favors. So when I when I went to a hunger strike, I went to Bergen County. Actually, they were keeping me in sales, like allow only to use the phone one hour a day. I mean, that's 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 a very very hard uh, situation because the only relief that we have is is call the family and here they are alive. They're still there. We are facing a pandemic. Anything can happen in any second, and we were unable to to, to call them. So. It was very, very hard, and I had to call them, and I said to them, listen, we have to do something instead of dying here without doing nothing. Let's go to a hunger strike, and I started a big hunger strike, but uh, they came and offered us the whole world, and we we believed their, their lies, and the, the whole hunger strike went down for the first time, so we we demand to better, better um better vitamin because there is no drinkable water uh rats everywhere medical system i never met a doctor in three months in uh, in bergen county and uh, the, the hard part for me was i wasn't able to speak to my family my daughter and my son they were i were calling them is you okay why you don't call anymore and i go like i can't you know i'm working i'm working so I had to call them one day to hunger strike and they said, okay, 10 guys said, okay, let's go to hunger strike. I, it was hard, but it went through for, for me, but fortunately for them, they still there, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it sounds extremely difficult uh, conditions to, to even connect with the people who are there with you. If you're being separated and not able to come out of your cells for, for more than an hour, um, we've definitely heard that people ha- are having a really hard time reaching their families. Um, I wanted to ask you, Mary, um, how has it been easy for you to contact your loved one in detention? And have you heard similar conditions from him? Absolutely. The same thing that Marcia um, uh, went through is the same thing my fiance is going through right now. Um I cannot explain how it's physically possible that somebody, I mean, um, Marcel says that he was stepped out for an hour a day. They do it for half an hour a day. So the think about it, just think about it. When you're getting ready, taking a shower, making your breakfast, all that stuff, nobody gets that done in 30 minutes. Nobody. So they have to speed up to make their food, take a shower, and call their loved ones in 30 minutes, and you're back in your cell. How is that humanely possible for somebody to do that? So for me, it was so surprising that happened. So then after that, um, he decided that it was start, he wanted to do the hunger strike because he just had enough and the coronavirus was, cases were rising up there and they were locking them up again. So they thought it was unfair that they were getting locked up because it was somebody, because I've seen it, I witnessed it myself when I was uh, video chatting with him. I see COs like going across the hallway, like right behind him as we're video chatting without masks most of the time. So these are the people who are exposing them. They're stuck in their little bubble. They're not going anywhere. They're not the ones who are exposing it. It's it. It's the, the people at Clarkson County. They're coming in, they're coming out, and they're exposing it to them. So as them trying to handle the situation you're going to lock them up again for something that you brought inside so it just doesn't make sense to me 
that I have to be able to contact my fiance 30 minutes of once a day. It's just not humane. Also, since the hunger, so he started the hunger strike and he wanted to just get everybody out. It was just not for himself. It was like a lot of people who were inside, you know, who had a lot of conditions like, you know, Marcel, like he, he had diabetes. There's a lot of people who had diabetes. There was people whose hands were turning purple and they were just like, we don't have that, um, you know, medical stuff to help you out. So they didn't have the extensive medical care to help the people out inside. So that was one of the reasons why he was getting concerned. And that's why he wanted to start this, because there was people who really need like medical care that need to do it outside. So, yeah, he did the hunger strike. And uh, now he doesn't have that much access to water. Uh, they took out his his towel, his toothbrush, uh, all his high Genic, um products gone so basically he's getting more punished from this hunger strike but he's still dedicated to moving forward and seeing if they can um make a change because after he heard marcel's story it made him more motivated to you know keep going so we'll see what happens Thank you for sharing that. Um, if you've listened to Working Class Heroes before, you know we have reported about conditions in federal prisons, city, state, and federal prisons before, especially the use of solitary confinement. We're going to be taking a musical break. Before we go, though, I, you know, I think it's important to point out what people have mentioned, what Mel and Khadija highlighted in the previous discussion, that these detention centers are for the most part private detention centers that are not actually regulated the way that federal and state prisons are. And we've seen horrifying conditions in city, state, and federal uh, jails. But what is happening in ICE detention centers is something that is not being in any way regulated by government. And that means that ICE detention centers really get to set their own rules for how they treat people inside. And we've seen that um, there have been cases where the doctors that are working there are actually unlicensed. Uh, we have seen cases um, of medical malpractice. Um, and so, you know, I think it's it's important for our audience to understand that there there is terrible conditions uh, and experts have repeatedly called for the release of everyone in detention centers and jails because it is impossible to contain a pandemic in such conditions. Um, and still, we have seen basically no action on any of those things. As I said, we're going to take a music break right now, but when we come back, we'll continue our discussion and later on, we'll open up the phone lines. Stick around. Más que inteligencia, tener bondad y dulzura. Sin estas cualidades la vida será violenta. Se perderá todo. Tendré que navegar contra marea que tratan de arrastrarme hasta el final. Más quiero yo volar
iré haciendo de acordes y al compás del ritmo y tiraré semillas a la tierra semillas que muy pronto Semillas by Muerdo and Lola Membrillo from the Chilean band Perota Chingo. You're tuned in to WBAI 99.5 FM. We're also streaming on WBAI.org. Thank you for coming back with us. We are here with Marcial Morales and Mary A., who are speaking to us about the recent hunger strikes that are happening across detention centers in New Jersey. As of last week, we had over 140 people who were participating in the hunger strike to demand their freedom and improvement in their conditions inside. Um, I didn't mention earlier, Marcial, that um, you're an amazing artist. Um, I've seen a couple of drawings that you uh, made about the conditions in ICE. Um, I know that others actually signed some of those pictures, the people who are uh, on the hunger strike. Um, and I mean, they're beautiful. We're going to be posting yeah. them on social media for people to see. But I did want to know, um, I'm, I'm an artist myself. Uh, why did you guys choose? Why do you choose to to draw those conditions? Well, there, there is not much we can do inside. I mean, uh, if I try to call for help, they cut the phone calls. If I say something that they don't like, they will block my number. So the only way I can tell the society what is happening outside is just doing drawings. I have so many drawings with different fights. They were gone inside, but I never released them, but I will release them soon. That's amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait to see that. And absolutely, I, I actually had a family member who was in detention and, and art is, is one of the very few things he actually had to make colors for the drawings using M&Ms um, that he would put in water to make red and blue and yellow. And it's um, it's both heartbreaking and just such a testament to the strength of, of people inside who were trying to cope with this. Um So in previous episodes, we have reported about the repression of police, of activists that are outside of the detention centers protesting in support of everyone inside. But I think it's very important to keep the conversation focused on what is happening inside to the people on hunger strike. Uh, Humans are not able to survive without food for more than a couple of days, and they're definitely not able to survive without water for 24 hours. You mentioned that um, people have been unable to access water. So Marcial, I just wanted to ask you, how did the jail administration respond uh, to these hunger strikes and to you inside of the jail? Well, they deny everything. They they never accept anything. Like um, they have a medical um, chart inside saying that human can last uh, three months without eating and drinking water. But they don't. They don't write down that they have be given them a garbage from since they got there. I mean, I was there for what eight months. Since I got there, they never gave me a good food. I mean, the food they gave us there is is frozen food and 
nothing healthy. So how much they can last with, with these conditions? The water is terrible. They have to drink water from the, the toilet sink, which it has like pieces of metal because all the metal is old there and tastes awful. I mean, I went through over uh, five bags of coffee. It does the only drink I had, the only drink I had. I was mixing water with the, with the, with, I was mixing coffee with the water. So in order to drink the water and they, they put me, when I went to hunger strike, they put me in a little room. They took my clothes off and they said to me, if you, if you don't eat again, we're not going to give you clothes back. We're not going to take you out of there. And I said, I'm not going to eat until I die. I'd rather be dead than being here. They say, all right, you're going to die. Well, okay, I'm going to die. So, but uh, after nine days of hunger strike, they came back and they gave me my clothes and they sent me back to a solitary uh, room. And about two hours later, they called me, pack it up, you're leaving. That was the the day I cannot forget. Every every time I, I sit down, I remember that. I just can't believe it. I'm outside, but I'm not fully happy. I left my brothers behind. And so I am here today to talk on behalf of those that literally dying behind those walls. I mean, as, as I heard, a lot of people doesn't know that behind those beautiful walls are people dying without knowing. They're dying over there, and they're not. They are not. Uh, they are not dangerous to a society. Most of them are fathers. They they are sons. They are daughters. There's somebody waiting for them outside. You know, most of them they have two or three kids. Who is supporting financially these people? No one. These kids are about now to go to shelters or anywhere else because they don't have way to survive. But they don't want to release these people. And they are eligible. I mean, their cases can be uh, easier than mine. And I got released. Why they put me through the, all this punishment to release me? They just can release me the first day I got there. Okay, you, you're going to get an uh, anchor manager and you're going home. But they didn't do that until they knew I going to die. They done it. You know, nobody deserves this. That's why I am here today to let everybody know what has happened behind those walls. Absolutely. I think that uh, mainstream media um, has very much focused on whether or not people deserve to be inside of these detention centers, whether they're criminal or not. But I think that what gets ignored is that um, even in our own laws, um, the human right violations that are happening in these detention centers are so severe that everyone inside actually has the legal grounds for release just based on the medical issues that they came to detention with or that they actually started uh, to suffer from inside of detention, like psychiatric illnesses, depression, anxiety, which are very much reported by um, people who are detained for long periods of time. Um, I understand that, um, as you said, you know, the, and, and because ICE detention centers are not regulated, the food there is horrible. People have developed health issues as well, gas, uh, in terms of their stomach, their gastro, uh, system. And, uh, one of the things that when it came to COVID, that only exacerbated all of the issues that people are facing. I wanted to know, Mary, um, for you as someone whose loved one is still inside, um, I'm sure that he has faced many of the same things. What are the things you would say family members of people who are inside need 
to be able to support them better? How can we support people who are inside suffering these things right now? I'm sorry, repeat that. Yeah. Um, how do you think that uh, as someone whose loved one is still inside, what do you as a family member need in terms of support um, and, you know, to support your loved one there? Um, from support, I was in the beginning, I was lost. I, this was the first thing that I didn't. I mean, I never experienced this before either. And, you know, I was kind of all over the place and I said what can I do what can I do to help the people inside and including my fiance and um, I found this organization freedom for immigrants and shout out to Tanya Matos who has been like an angel a guardian angel to me and has completely helped me um, guide through this this uh, path of like what's going on in the world and what's going on inside and it kind of was just an eye-opener because there's a lot of people who are going the same thing that I was going through and it was just it was such a kind of like a relief that I wasn't alone at the same time so with that support that I had from them and also them connecting me with families who were, were going through the same thing as well it just made me feel like okay I have somebody beside me and also we can you know come together and try to find a way where we can you know, get them out of this situation. So, um, yeah, that was the biggest support for uh, us, not only, you know, the families here, but also the families, I mean, the detainees inside. Absolutely. We are going to continue to cover this issue. Um, We are going to take a musical break for now. And we do want to open up the lines um, for our callers, our audience to call in. Uh, We'd love to hear your own stories. If you know someone in detention and what you think at home is going to take to abolish ICE, close these detention centers and release people from inside, stick around. Es tiempo de empezar a batallar para preparar un mundo sin fronteras. La economía globalizada no tiene otra conducción que el interés privado de muy pocos. La gran tarea para nuestros pueblos, en nuestra humilde manera de ver, es el todo. Sería imperioso lograr consensos planetarios para desatar solidaridad hacia los más oprimidos castigar impositivamente el despilfarro y la especulación, movilizar las grandes economías, no para crear descartables con obsolencia calculada, sino bienes útiles, sin frivolidades, para ayudar a levantar a los más pobres del mundo. That song was Santiago by Nguyen Afrobeat. Welcome back to Working Class Heroes Radio. If you're just tuning in, you are tuned in to WBAI 99.5 FM. We're also streaming on WBAI.org. We're going to open up our phone lines uh, because we definitely want to hear from you. Please give us a call at 212-209-2877. Again, that number is 212-209-2877. 
212-209-2877. As I said, we're going to continue to cover these efforts um, and the efforts of Abolish ICE New York, New Jersey. Abolish ICE New York, New Jersey is a coalition of over 100 organizations who are organizing legal support and taking action to have all detention centers throughout New York and New Jersey closed down. You can find them on social media. Their handle is at symbol abolish ICE underscore NYNJ for more information on upcoming actions and ways that you can support. Gio, do we have any callers so far? Uh, no, not yet, but but don't worry. I'm going to let you know. I'm, I'm still looking right now. But again, people, if you want to call, it's uh, 212-209-2877. While we wait for uh, callers to come in, uh, Marcial, I was wondering, you mentioned some of the demands about the conditions inside. Uh, what are the demands of all of the hunger strikers right now? Release. They want to go back to their families. That's the demand. They they don't deserve that. Uh, uh, whatever is happening in the jail is happening, but they want their release. They want their freedoms. They want to go hug their families. That's the demand that they have right now. Um, and Mary, I wanted to ask you uh, from the outside, what do you? How do you think people can plug in to support uh, what's going on inside? They should definitely um, reach out to organizations for sure, because that was my um, biggest resource in, you know, trying to get these people out, including my fiance. So um, definitely, definitely reach out to organizations for sure. So I understand that a lot of the folks that are inside um, are not getting medical evaluations, are not getting uh, legal representation. Uh, what are some of the other things people inside need right now uh, so that they have a better chance of, of not contracting COVID and being released? Um, they're just trying to get people to um, reach, reach out to the outside so they can get some medical attention. So what they're doing is just speaking out with their legal representatives and see what they can do from there. Yes, and uh, we actually have um, seen a lot of politicians talk about what abolishing ICE means um, in general. We have seen Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talk about abolish ICE. Um, another organization, the New Sanctuary Coalition, actually released a letter on December 28th calling for the abolishment of ICE and the releasing of everyone. Uh, what does abolishing ICE mean to you, uh, Marcial or Mary, whoever wants to come in with that? What does abolish ICE mean to you concretely? I can answer that. I mean, um, for me, abolishing ICE is ending this this uh, detention center is, you know, holding on to detainees and using them as money because this is what it is this is just blood money what's going on right now they're keeping them inside so they can get a commission out of this like 120 dollars a day for each immigrant it just doesn't seem like inhumane and they're not thinking about how these people are suffering because they have a life here they have their family they have their kids and they they started a life there's 
people that I've seen, like heard their story saying like, you know, they have their own business here. So they came here for a purpose. They weren't just here just to, you know, just be hanging around on the streets. No, they came here to make a life and to grow and to move forward. And they got that pulled away from them from the side behind. And now they're doing whatever they can to, um, you know, come out. Absolutely. It seems that we have a caller on the line. Caller, you are live. Can you tell us your name and what your thoughts are on this issue? No, you don't have to worry about it. Biden will be president soon. And you all get out and get all the free that you need. Uh, well, I hope that happens very soon. Uh, right now, our uh, president, and thank you for calling in. Uh, right now, our president-elect, um, Biden, Joe Biden, he's only spoken about immigration reform. He hasn't really spoken about whether or not he plans to abolish ICE. And so I'm wondering, Marcial, do you have any thoughts for what Joe Biden should be doing um, and what immigration reform we need? Well, in the first place, I shouldn't exist. It's only an organization that came to torture families. It's not doing nothing good to the society. It's just torturing families. A lot of kids without father because they have been deported. So that's my thought about us. It should be abolished. And what about immigration reform? What kind of immigration reform do you want to see this year? Well, I want to see all those 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 uh, fathers with their kids. That's what I want to see. And also, uh, I mean, a, a, a path for something, you know. And I mean, we don't want to be a, a citizen, but I be legal here and we with our and be with our families. That's the most important part in this in this case. That's what I want to see them together. Absolutely, and I think we've reported on this before, but um, I. Customs Enforcement and the Department of Homeland Security that created ICE has only been around for 20 years. It didn't exist before. And so the idea that we have to detain people is something that only came about very recently um, because of post 9-11 politics. Um, and we also see that, you know, especially during this pandemic, we have seen other countries actually offer citizenship to essential workers Um, who uh, have been working throughout the pandemic. And Mary, you mentioned something about, you know, how your partner works, how most of the people, everyone who is being held inside is a worker. And for the most part, essential workers in New York City, in the Tri-State area are essential workers. And so I think for me, those are very important connections that we should make about why it is that we need immigration reform um, really soon. Uh, an immigration reform that legalizes everyone in this country um, and really takes a look at why uh, detention centers need to be abolished. Um, I guess I just wanted to know if you had, if we don't have any callers, um, any last thoughts that you want to share, Marcial or Mary, about um, what's going on with the hunger strikes and how you want people to support? Well, uh, the... well oh, go, go ahead, Marcial. <laughs> I let you go. <laughs> no, okay. okay. All right. Well, I wanted to say, I um, just want to put the message out here. This is, um, I mean, the reason I also called was to, you know, put my voice out there. Also, Marcella as well. 
to let anyone who's hearing this who has loved ones from Hudson, Essex, Bergen, and Elizabeth that you guys aren't alone. And if you guys need anything, just uh, reach out here and, you know, um, we can join together. And the more bigger uh, group that we have, the big, uh, the bigger chance we have having our loved ones getting out of there, out of the situation. Yes, and I believe one of the organizations you mentioned was Fam- uh, Freedom for Immigrants. That's freedom right, for freedom, immigrants. freedom for Immigrants. So that's one organization that you can reach out. So yes, please. So to all of our listeners, you can Google Freedom for Immigrants NYC and or Abolish ICE NYNJ uh, for more information on how you can get plugged in. We're also going to have this info on our website, which is wchradio.org. And you can also follow us on social media. Our handle is Working Class Heroes Radio. Um, again, you're tuned in to WBAI 99.5 FM. This is actually all the time that we have for today. Thank you so much, Mary and Marcial, for joining us. Um, we're definitely going to be out there with you uh, covering this issue. Uh, next. Um, oh, Marcial, actually, I don't think I sh- let you share your last thoughts. Anything you want to say to our audience? Yes. Um, uh, well, all those videos they uh, they have released on the Internet and all those uh, statements the police has being making about the protested outside, they are not creating trouble. They are just supporting those that are uh, struggling to free themselves inside those those uh, walls. Yes, the mainstream media is not covering this issue. I really urge our listeners to get on their computers and look it up, look us up. We'll be sharing all of that. Um, again, thank you guys so much uh, for joining us. Thanks also to our hosts for tonight, Khadija and Mel, and Danny, Leah, Yanni, and Julian for their behind-scenes work this week. Also, thank you to our great engineer, Gio, and everyone who's listening today. Uh, Next week, we're going to be focusing on conditions inside Amazon warehouses, and we're going to have an interview with Chris Smalls, a rank-and-file worker at Amazon. Make sure to tune in on Saturday, January 19th for that episode. Until then, New York, stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, in solidarity. Eres mi estrella, eres mi luz. Tú me das valor frente a la oscuridad. Eres mi amor, eres mi razón. Yo no me acostumbro a estar sin ti. No sé cómo entender este dolor. No sé porque te arrancaron de mí mi esperanza y mi fe está en volver a mirarte caminaré por todos los rincones de este mundo Corazón, 
te olvido Te extraño tanto